discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. I'm He Young. Good to have you along. Usually, assembly line workers don't need a college education, and these workers, featured in today's discussion, managed to squeeze in the time to study after their day job and got into college after passing the adult. College examination in this country—it's definitely a story of dreams coming true. But also, could it offer some insight in beefing up talent for the future of manufacturing? And we're on a mission of starting your week with a motivational kick. Our motivational Monday offerings will get you ready to tackle the week. For today's program, I'm joined by Huang Shen and Zhao Ying in the studio. First on today's show. We found you the folks who practice the aphorism of "It's never too late to be what you might have been." A recent article reported that 38 employees who worked on the assembly line in a warehouse of an e-commerce company have passed a, the adult college entrance examination in 2022. Thus, they bid farewell to their factory jobs for the moment for college as mature、uh, students who enjoy higher. Education. So, guys, fill us in on this inspiring story of 38 workers who are now back to school as students. There were 38 workers passing the adult college entrance examination and becoming college students on the assembly line in a warehouse of an internet e-commerce company located in Guangdong Province. This is according to a recent report by China News Service. For example, there is a female worker whose name is Ou Jijun. She finally got the admission letter from Guangdong University of Foreign Studies in the beginning of 2023. Besides her. Uh, there are 37 of her co-workers. They were all excited to receive their administration, their admission admission letters.、Mm. Some of which were from famous universities and colleges, such as South China Agricultural University and Shantou University.、Uh, yeah, now they are college or university students to be. Back then, their jobs in the warehouse included. Quality inspector, subcontractor, customer service staff, and so on, and they chose majors related to their previous jobs, like logistics management, e-commerce, business management, and etc. So I'm very happy to see they are receiving their college and university offers, and they're about to become. A student again. Yeah, right. For some of these workers, it used to be sitting on the assembly line for a whole day, and it, well, it might come as a little bit of a surprise for some of us looking at e-commerce companies that they do have assembly line jobs, and it might involve like sorting out different kinds of parcels or whatnot. And you know, the warehouse kind of job doesn't seem to involve a lot of human interaction, but certainly it's going to be a very different kind of job. Or a different kind of experience for these workers who go to college now as mature students, which means these are people who are above the age of 21, and they are going back to college. So Zhao Ying, when you first saw this piece of news story, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, it is really amazing to see how they were able to balance their work and studies, and eventually make it to college. But for me, the most impressive part about this story is how their dreams of continuing their education 
are supported by the company mm. because uh, there's a book house in the logistics warehouse where the workers can enjoy their time reading. And one of the workers said she still remembered the first time she walked into the book house and saw two or three colleagues sitting there drinking coffee and quietly reading books while sunlight streamed in. And she said that's the scene um, that she... That was the life she had only dreamed of. And mm. some people questioned uh, the need for a library in a logistics warehouse where uh, the employees are all workers on the assembly line. So what's the need of reading that won't improve their productivity? But I think at least for the 38 college students, the book house provides them with more possibilities for the future. And I believe their knowledge and skills will benefit the company in the long run as well. So it's a win-win situation. These workers will have better job prospects and higher salaries, while the company will have a more skilled and educated workforce. Yes, what you've just said does paint a very rosy picture of the future, but we will also play devil's advocate and sort of break it down for you a little bit and see, you know, what does a college degree these days mean when it comes to manufacturing jobs as well as, you know, just somebody's job prospects in the future. But before we get into all of that, Huangshan, I'd like to ask you, what do you think made people sort of raise their eyebrows Mm -hmm. in reading this news story when people go for sort of continued education? Because you read these stories every day or or you hear these stories every day of, oh, this person decided to get a master's degree or go back to college or whatever it is. But now when we're talking about workers on the assembly line and what nerve has it touched that make people go, wow, this is inspiring? I think it's about their motivation as well as their persistence. For many uh, people, the workers who are working at assembly lines, maybe in the past, they didn't have a chance to apply for, you know, a university diploma, and they maybe even failed to get into senior high schools. Very likely, they may manage to uh, be accepted by one of the top um, junior high uh, junior high schools in their in their hometowns, however, due to so many reasons, maybe mm. they failed to meet the scores or their family condition um, due to the financial burden, maybe they don't really have the chance to uh, be advanced to the senior high schools. So now after working for several years, here's the chance and you have to take it and you have to sacrifice some of your spare time when other people are you know, just sleeping or watching short videos. These people yeah. are working hard on studying the materials for taking that adult uh, ad- like entrance examination for colleges mm-hmm. or universities. So this is some people call the persistence. Like many people are lacking in a very fast-paced society. What's more is about why they're doing this. I think one thing is that they would like to realize their dream. They failed to achieve in the past. Now, when you have the condition, the money, and the opportunity that you can still pursue your dream, there's no barrier. There's nothing can stop you from for you to achieve your dreams. And the other thing is about the peer pressure. It's like when you are seeing um, people at the assembly line of factories. They're trying so hard to get a diploma. Then for people who are already in this 
atmosphere, the academic background. So we have taken so many things for granted. Maybe it's a chance for us to reevaluate what we have achieved in our own field. And as a passion for learning、mm. should be sustainable. Are you losing your passion for learning after you graduated from your university? So I think that's the reason why people are talking about this. They have been inspired. Inspired by this passion for learning. Yeah, that is very well put, Huang Shen. And I can feel, you know, sort of my feelings reverberate with this kind of story when you see people have this passion for learning. But there's one thing that、um, this is a little bit of a side note, but I'd still like to share with you because I know a lot of students out there in elementary. Middle school or college students are pursuing whatever degree that you're doing, and I was one of these people. I remember feeling like going to school being a total dread, and it's about finding the motivation. And you're doing this for yourself, and I think the realization of that in achieving any kind of goal in real life. Would be the most real and efficient and. Best kind of passion to have, and and it takes you to places of wonder. For some of for these thirty eight workers, a lot of them feel like this is something that they've never imagined themselves to be able to achieve, and now they are there, and that is just a fantastic thing. But I just wonder, or maybe let's just let it serve as a little bit of a reminder for students out there, because I know we have a lot of audience who are still studying these days who listen to the show, and maybe this can offer as something for you to think about. Oh, going to school every day, going to classes, and having to turn in papers, and having these deadlines to meet, and it sometimes is a real headache. But you know, when somebody's not offered those opportunities, or if those opportunities to learn, to sit down and learn, and don't need to worry about other stuff, that opportunity doesn't get handed in, handed to anybody willy nilly. So if you're doing that right now, and maybe. You know, this story can offer as a little bit of a wake-up call, or just make you think for a little bit. Oh, all right. Well, this looks a little mundane right now, but actually, it might mean something, and it could be really great for you in the future. And getting that diploma, well, apparently, according to these workers and a lot of people who work in the manufacturing industry or some of the service industry jobs, that. Don't get paid a lot.、Um, people are kind of well. They say that they feel the brunt of not having a quote unquote presentable diploma or qualification, and that's one of the motivations and drives for these workers to want to pursue another degree. And in this particular news story, that's getting a college degree. So,、um, what are your thoughts of the?、Um, You know motivations of people getting another degree, regardless of what jobs that they're taking up right now. And has this become a bit of a trend of people to continue to study even when they're working? And I don't know if this is good news or bad news for the students listening because it doesn't stop once you're graduated. Well, I I think this is not only about individual efforts. It should be a collective effort、mm. with society, companies, and individuals all working together. Because, I mean, when reading this story, I I feel it's it also reflects how corporate culture are changing in China. Because, um, in the past, like our parents' generation, they would like to emphasize on the spirit of the school, like. 
we are all like the screws in a huge machine, and all we need to do is to do our own part well, and that will make the huge machine function well. But I think that's a little bit outdated today because. Young people nowadays would like to focus more on their individual value, and self-development is very important for each and every one of us. Yes, maybe now I'm just like a screw on the assembly line, but life can still have more possibilities, right? And I think、um, a good company should encourage its employees to pursue more possibilities instead of just working like a machine that can be replaced at any time. And by the way, with the development of AI technology. How to maximize the value of human potential is a question that all companies should think carefully. Absolutely. Yeah, I think in another show we talk about many factories. They are undergoing that transformation.、Um, for some garment factories, they、uh, deployed. Yes, you I remember, remember、um, yeah. the AI-powered facilities, machines, devices into the assembly line、uh, because they would like to achieve the goal of keeping the stock low and aiming for zero inventory. And also, they would like to、uh, keep up the trend that is changing faster and faster. Faster, so this is the reality we are facing now. Factory, the for the format of operation in a factory is changing over time, and more regions are trying to develop and upgrade their smart factories. As a result, for the people who are working in such factories, your job won't be as redundant as before. So very likely in the near future, you have to cooperate with the machine with. An AI-powered device. Then, if you have only basic skills and techniques, I don't think you can keep up with the development of this modern society. So, when we are introducing such modern technological achievements into factories, warehouses, people who are working in such places have to catch up with the trend. I think that's also the reason why so many workers they are seeking new opportunities and trying to applying for a diploma because apparently your diploma will give you a leg up in this job. Market, and if you are a factory worker, however, you have your specialty, you have your expertise compared to other assembly line workers. Definitely, you will stand out, and also for many of them, when they are changing a job or if they still want to climb up the ladder in their、uh, current workplace, maybe when you have that additional diploma, it will help you to. Secure that promotion opportunity compared to your peers,、mm. so it's getting more and more important. And also, I'm happy to see more of the workers in factories or warehouses. They are very motivated, or they're self-motivated. Maybe you are afraid of missing out, and you have been driven by the pressure、um, generated in this very intense competitive work. Environment. However, you also have your own motivation to make an improvement. You would like to see that progress every day. I think this is a reason why many people think such stories are very, very inspirational. Oh, definitely. Especially if you look at the anecdotes of, of people and some people, some of these、uh, young people, they or, or not always super young. Apparently, there was this forty to fifty year old. Gentleman who was also taking the examination of adult 
college entrance examination last year, according to one of these uh, workers who happened to be in the same examination room. And then, you know, just seeing that gentleman also sort of uh, subconsciously gave this person a little boost of confidence and feel like, okay, it's not just me. Look at that guy. He's he looks like he's, you know, got a family to raise and uh, have walked plenty of journey in life. But there he is with me trying to get uh, past this examination. And yeah, this is the kind of story that tells you, well, it's never too late to learn, I suppose. But certainly for um, some of these uh, folks who work the so-called manual labor jobs, some of them say that they didn't realize the importance of studying or education when they were middle school students and just try to imagine this and also you probably have read news stories about this about the problem the issue of um middle school dropouts especially in rural areas that's when you know kids or well teenagers who might not have their parents with them living in exactly the same city because maybe mom and dad work in a different city or whatnot um and they haven't really found the motivation to study and therefore and studying is hard also so not finding the urgency to study or finding it very difficult to keep up in class and there are just easier ways to get out it feels such as go work in a factory and start earning your own money that kind of thing and that's what some people did until later on they realized well getting a and education actually kind of matters here, and it would improve your pay and also maybe future prospects as such. And also there are these other stories of people who simply um, had families maybe not having enough money or resources to support them to go through uh, education all the way up. And don't forget in this country, compulsory education um, ends at the last year of junior high school. So that's usually when a person is 15. So after that, you are on your own devices in whether you want to further education or what kind of education one wants to take up. So it's um, I don't think interesting is the best word to use here, but this is definitely, I think, worthwhile to study the different situations of people and to see that maybe this has something, this new story maybe has something to tell us about the future of manufacturing, of how to get people retrained, upskilled for this economy. As now we know, ChatGPT is what people talk about all over the place. And in China, we have like different companies coming up with their own version of ChatGPT or whatnot. And we've heard of these um, AI systems and technological advances on the factory floor, like these robotic arms that can perform all kinds of quite intricate um, production uh, endeavors and whatnot. But do you think getting a college degree is what is going to fix the sort of skill gap of the um, manual labor that we have in this country? Well, I think education is definitely definitely very important because, as, as you said, as we welcome the coming of intelligent technologies and digital industries, those blue-collar workers, they are facing challenges to master more knowledge and skills 
to keep up with the era. So that upgrade, this upgrade in the industry is very necessary. And I got another example here of how learning has been beneficial for blue collar workers in Harbin in Heilongjiang province. Several graduates with bachelor's and master's degrees were employed by the urban sanitation system. And after nearly four years of work, most of them still stayed on the on their positions and had gotten used to the street cleaner job. However, with the introduction of high tech cleaning vehicles, some veteran cleaners and drivers could not drive the advanced vehicles. Uh, even after training, and then these high-educated staff who majored in automobile electronic techniques could successfully fix or maintain advanced vehicles and, equi- and equipment. So that um, reflects how education is important um, as we upgrade our industries. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose the question here could be what kind of education if we mm. were to sort of depart from this particular news stories a little bit, because we are talking about like 400 million people possibly who are working these manual jobs in China. And we're sort of at the crossroads right now. Yeah. Like we're talking about and this is not just a China story. This could also be an American story. You know, just think of all the workers on the rest rust belt in the U.S. who used to work for car plants. And now what about the future? You know, getting people equipped with the necessary skills so that they can find a a different job. And it could still be working in a factory, but a totally different kind of job. Yeah, I think a diploma matters in some occasions. But in this regard, I do want to see in the future such factories can promote a more diverse and inclusive training system for workers who are working at front line or assembly lines. Because I think um, if you want to thrive in this uh, situation, you do need some handing experience. So maybe you think with that a piece of paper, it will give you more opportunities and more doors will open for you. That's for sure. And this could be a stepping stone for you to apply for a better job or a better position in this company. But if we go back to the setting of a factory, uh, if you would like to bring in modernization, digitalization to your factory, and you would like to boost the reten- the, the retention rate of your current workers, I think a great way is to offer uh, a promotional system, which means you can offer such really detailed training system to your current workers because no one understands what you need more than the employer, I mean, than the factory manager. So if you know we are trying to go deeper into this particular technology and you have purchased a number of machines with regard to this particular technology and which can help you to boost the performance, Mm -hmm. the productivity of your production line, then why not hire a person who is the expert in this field and trying to carry out a sustainable training session for your workers, I think they will help them more to contribute more to the productivity, creativity of your company or your factory. Um, Yeah, I do appreciate those people who try to squeeze in time and even burn themselves to apply for an exam and trying to get a diploma. But at the end of the day, it's just a piece of paper. If we can break the stigma of diplomas or of your educational background, but trying to find a real talent in a particular field, I think 
in that way, you can enjoy a sustainable growth as well as development in your company. That sounds like a very good program of some sort of sponsorship that.、Mm. Um, Good companies could establish. If not, they might already have something like that in place. That is finding out the promising, hardworking people who you see. Well, they might sort of break into a different kind of future with a little bit more education and sponsor them, give them a little bit more support, and that could start with a book club as such.、Uh, Zhao Ying mentioned to us earlier on, or having at least that physical space for people who can either have a little rest there or have the peace and quiet to read and study, and that is that is really useful and quite thought-provoking arrangement when you look at it. And also, I just like to reiterate that.、Uh, Quote, and this is sort of like echoing today's motivational Monday. It's never too late to be what you might have been, and there's nothing like missed opportunities. At least for those who don't give up and keep looking for them, it's all about having the right mindset, and it defines everything that comes afterwards. We'll be back. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Huang Shen and Zhao Ying in the studio. Coming up during the ongoing two sessions, that's when China's top legislature convenes. Proposals and motions are handed in by political representatives. We discuss this one particular topic that has garnered a lot of attention. Well, which plans could make the country's public holiday system better? And our special segment, Motivational Monday, coming your way, will give you that adrenaline shot for the start of the week. If you've never sent us a voice memo, there's no better time than now. Tell us what you think. What's better? Send us your audio questions to ezfmroundtable@foxmail.com. Once every week, we answer your questions on the show in our heart-to-heart -heart segment. And recently, it seems like our listeners have been very shy for some <laughs> reason. You've only been sending in emails, which are fine, but you know it'd be nice to have some of these audio questions too, or audio、uh, voice messages, because we are a podcast and a radio show after all. So it's just. Best to hear your voice, and it'd also be great if you could include your name, the province or region you live in, so we know a little bit more about you. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. When you're there and you're so inclined, please give us a five-star review. It helps other folks find the show. And this morning I checked, we got two new ones, which is great. great. Well, you know, when you say the numbers, like, <laughs> okay. So guys, you know, do us a favor and leave us a message. Let us know what you think about the whole thing. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion. The spring of 2023 begins with the two sessions, China's most important annual political gathering, which started on March the fourth. 
in Beijing. More than 5,000 political representatives take part in the meetings of China's top legislature this year. The political body is comprised of the National People's Congress, or NPC, and the country's top political advisory body, the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, or CPPCC. Motions handed in by NPC deputies and proposals by CPPCC members catch public attention every year, sometimes splitting opinion and generating an overflow of thoughts and comments from across society. So guys, well, there are three motions and proposals aimed at improving the country's public holiday system, and it's getting traction. So what are these proposals and motions um, setting out to do? Yeah, so I can start with two proposals which are trending online and which have received mixed reviews. Uh, one is proposed by a policy advisor. Uh, he mentioned that uh, it could be an alteration, alt- alternation between a one-day-off and a three-day-off weeks, which means normally each worker is entitled to a two-day break every week. In this pol- policy advisor's system, this person only takes a single day off in week one and then saves the other break day, the weekend day, to the next week so that this person ends up having three days off in the week two. Uh, the reason why he's making this proposal is because that he believes that uh, the traditional two-day off system has hampered the development of tourism, thus harming the economy, and his method is likely to encourage more people to hit the road and go sightseeing and holidaying now that with more time to spare every other week. And there's another NPC deputy or delegate proposed that single day break in first three weeks of a month and then five three days off at the end of the month. Well, oh. the reason why she's proposing this is that every month a person gets five days to travel or visit families or friends as long as they want. So these are the two proposals which have rece- received mixed reviews. And there's another one mm. proposed by an NPC a- a- delegate, which has win lots of thumbs ups. Uh, he proposed that extending the official spring festival holiday from three to five days without having to go through Tiaoshu, um, then adding two weekly breaks four days. Um, the spring holiday ends up becoming a nine-day festive season instead of the current seven-day holiday. So when we are talking about the Chinese phrase or term Tiaoshu, it means like you have to compensate for working on uh, a holiday because you have to work on, let's say, a weekend day in order to get extra days off on the weekday, which means you can add that up with your existing holidays to compose a longer holiday. Yeah, so you're not really getting extra days off. You're just working on a couple of designated weekend days Mm. so that you can have a bunch of free days off altogether consecutively. And that is quite the ingenious invention of some people and actually that is a topic that we've covered on the show Mm, Uh, earlier yeah i think it was around the spring festival holiday uh period ish i mean if you would like to check out the details or whatnot you know please feel free to visit our 
uh, podcast archives on all the platforms because it can be a little bit confusing if you are not living in China and familiar with the term. So, Zhao Ying, when you first saw these, um, well, proposals and motions bombarded your way, what do you think? Well, I think on. <laughs> or, or what does the public think? Okay, <laughs> you're just regurgitating what other people say. <laughs> well, I mean, just like Quanshan mentioned, the first two proposals have mixed um, feedbacks on and more negative ones actually. So because people say that, um, I mean, I feel people are opposed to those proposals because. They they think that this these are just another form of Taoxiu, right? Because the current Taoxiu system is already unpopular, and these proposals seem to be merely cosmetic changes to the existing structure. And people are actually looking for a more fundamental shift in the way that holidays are allocated and and, and structured. And also, I think another factor is that these proposals、uh, didn't take into account. I mean, the first two proposals they don't take into account the physical and mental toll that working longer hours can take on 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 individuals. And you know, many people use their time off to travel and relax, and、um, the current system doesn't follow much of that. And it's extending working hours or creating a different holiday structure without addressing these issues won't be very popular. I think. Right.、Um, and and just it kind of infuriates some. People who are already working so hard and feel that they might struggle to even secure the two-day weekend, and we know for a fact that for a lot of folks who work in the service industry, for example, a masseuse or let's say、um, a shop assistant or a waiter who work works in a factory、uh, in a Restaurant obviously、um, usually gets six day weeks, at,、uh, so they work, have to work six days. And for office workers,、um, when you think about it, then maybe we're quite lucky that way that you mostly can get the two day weekend.、Um, but also these days, especially after the last three years of. You know, moving so much work and communication online, and the blurred boundary of what's work and what's private, and a lot of the times people take work back home, and it's not like we like to, but it's like if you don't do it, then you're kind of the black sheep of the herd, and you could be bearing some consequences, and you don't really want that if you're just an average worker. I totally resonate with that, and、uh, also if. You see, the majority of people in your industry are working long hours, and then you feel, oh, I, I, I sort of have to participate because otherwise, might not be getting the bonus after a certain time、uh, amount of time or whatnot. So it's it's kind of tough out there, and then I understand why people can feel kind of disappointed when you see these new motions and proposals. That don't seem to address the root problem, but there's one that got the thumbs up that Huang Shen rightfully pointed out to us, and that one essentially is saying that well, we're giving people a little bit more free days. Is that what's the really positive proposal about? Yes, actually, people's appeal or demand is very simple. We just want more. 
days for the holiday. That's it. More and, free days. And also the reason why people are liking this proposal is because this is very straightforward. Sometimes the policy of、mm, uh you know the compensation for holidays or like the new formation of holidays could be very very confusing and sometimes it's too much for one to comprehend. It seems like we are having more holidays, but the reality is like we are just having that specific amount. Of days we can use as a holiday. So if you just tell me, okay, you can have a five-day holiday. I just want to have five free days instead of by having three to work extra days. Yeah,、uh, yeah, yeah. Work for <laughs> three extra days and to in exchange for a five-day holiday. So this is what people are asking for. Like if you want to give me a five-day holiday. Just give me five days off. That's all I'm asking for. And also, it will confuse the boss as well. For example, if you are enjoying a week-long holiday,、uh, however, you only have maybe three days of the public holiday and、uh, maybe two days of the previous weekend and the other two days from the weekend behind, then. This is how the formation of your holiday.、Uh, it seems like you are taking seven days off, but what if your boss may think you have to generate a content worth a length of seven days? So you have to get that seven days input in squeeze into, well, a three day schedule. So actually, you are just enjoying three extra days off, but. It's not okay for you to provide the content for three days or to finish the <laughs> to accomplish a workload for extra three days. However, you have to do the job that is equivalent to a seven-day schedule. So I think that's one of the reasons why many employees they don't appreciate this idea because. I even prefer I just have one day off and then I can take my regular weekends off because in this way at least my workload is fair、mm -hmm. and、uh, I won't I won't need to negotiate with my boss my supervisor about whether this workload is legitimate or is it like should be justified. So I think it's very tricky in this regard. That's the reason why more people are just asking for a more transparent as well as、uh, simple. Arrangement of the holiday. Yeah, I agree with Huang Shen that the first two proposals are a little bit too confusing. And <laughs> let's consider another factor that we haven't、mm. talked about yet, because in today's globalized world, many Chinese companies have businesses、uh, with companies overseas, right? So、uh, there are also many foreign companies in China. And、uh, what's the standard work week in most of the other countries? Is two days off a week, right? So just like what we have in China right now. So if we were to switch. To a system like what、um, the first two proposals said, then、um, they would have to.、Uh, it would create a lot of inconvenience for these companies, and they would have to adjust their schedules, coordinate with their、uh, partners, and deal with、uh, potential communication delays. So I think we need to consider the wider context and the impact of both companies、uh, and workers as we move、um, towards a more interconnected world.、Mm. Um, it is important that we align. And our policies with、uh, the international norms. Yes, that's such a great point. And、I'll, I know this is not going to happen anytime soon, but can't we just be more of a global village? Think about when you communicate with your、uh, business counterparts. Let's say in Europe or in the.、Uh, 
the America to some extent in summertime, you're not getting any responses. You're only getting the automatic email reply of, I am out on summer holiday. Contact me after a certain date. Bye. So, you know, some countries are doing that. Maybe there's, you know, a little bit of, you know, future alignment that maybe we can think about and also when i was away on sick leave you guys talked about four day work weeks right 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 not gonna happen anytime soon but you know just a little thought there just putting it out there like that (laughs) okay well the final comment here for this topic um ladies do you have any better ideas or let's just say the ideal situation i mean we can still talk about it yeah, I, I really appreciate the idea of having a four day week work <laughs> a four day work week for sure. But I know it could be very luxurious, you know, in most of the companies. So why not? We can start with a baby step, which means if the employer or the policymaker could be generous enough, you can just give employees one uh four-day work week in a month, mm-hmm. which means for three weeks, you have to work five days in a row for each week. And then at the last week, or you can choose whichever week you like ah. and to have a three-day weekends. How amazing it sounds, right? And also you can arrange the time schedule with your co-workers and make sure you won't all take one week off for three days. So I think this could be a solution, but maybe that's the reason why I'm not part of the policy advisor. So this <laughs> only works for the employees, but I don't know whether employers will accept the idea. Since you mentioned the well, the results of UK's uh, four-day work week, right? So last week we we're talking about that. Mm-hmm. It seems like the majority of the companies, they chose to stick with that plan because they think, you know, sometimes when you reduce the length of working hours, it doesn't mean that the, product- the productivity will be at cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, conversely, right. people... People's creativity, productivity will be boost. And like many people are more passionate about their work and they would like to contribute more into their tasks. And so I don't see why that's a problem. But of course, some industries are not eligible to ad- <laughs> okay. to introduce sure. or to, you know, to trying to introduce yeah. that uh, yeah. work model. So I know it has pros and cons, but I think what people are asking for is like, we want more holidays and we definitely want to hit the road and trying to explore the beauty yeah. of the country. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that very thorough <laughs> analysis and answer that Huang Shen provided for us. But for the first half of the argument you just presented <laughs> so eloquent to us, the faces of the people in the studio just beamed up. And then if that were true, that would deserve a round of applause. Thank you for that. Zhao Ying, do you have something to add before we go on to Motivational Monday? Yes, I do. I think compared <laughs> to the UK, right, the work values in China are very hardcore. You know, Chinese people are hardworking <laughs> people. We were told from very young age that work is accomplished in diligence and neglected in play. And I remember I read an op-ed in Financial Times talking about the work ethic of Chinese startups. And it said in Chinese tech companies, people are working 12 hours a day and six or seven days a week when their American counterparts are wasting their time debating over the length of paternity leave or work-life balance. And it said that could be 
a threat to the Silicon Valley. But I do not agree with that opinion.、Um, the opinion, I, because yes, China's success story has been described as a miracle, with its rapid rise from a poor country to the world's second largest economy in just four decades, and that's. Definitely due to Chinese people's diligence, which have created positive transformation to their families, society, and the country. But I think as we enter a new stage of development, more attention should be paid to work-life balance. And now, as we focus on industrial transformation, I think people's creativity and innovation are、yeah. more important than just looking at the working hours, right? So I think as China shifts itself on from the demographic dividend to reform dividend, there's definitely a need to change the overwork culture as well. Yeah, and. That is very well put. Thank you, Zhao Ying, for that. And you're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, Motivational Monday. Mo 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 Motivational Monday. Motivational Mondays. This is the segment which is self-explanatory. We try to lift your spirits for the beginning of the week and. Uh, Zhao Ying, what do you have for us?、Um, I would like to share some、uh, inspiring lines from the famous Chinese poet and calligrapher Wang Xizhi because these lines have been resonating with me lately. I've been reading the Free Body Problem, which mm, keeps mm. reminding me、really、of how popular now how <laughs> tiny we are in the vast universe. So Wang Xizhi wrote in his poem, "Looking up, I see the immensity of the cosmos. Bowing my head, I look at the multitude of the world." The gaze flies, the heart expands, the joy of the sense can be can reach its peak, and indeed, this is true happiness. So these lines perfectly capture the sense of amazement and wonder that can fill us when we、uh, contemplate the vastness of the cosmos and the richness of the world around us. And you know. Interestingly, these lines also caught the attention of an Italian astronaut, Samantha Cristoforetti, who became the first Italian woman to fly into space last year. And during her mission at the International Space Station, she posted some incredible photos she took in space with Wang Xizhi's poem attached to them. So I think maybe we can all take a moment to reflect on the immensity of the universe and the beauty of the world around us. And let these inspiring words of Wang Xizhi remind us that true happiness can be found in simple moments of amazement and wonder. Yes, you're taking me to space right now. It feels <laughs> like certainly these are some beautiful words to take a moment and take in. Thank you so much, Zhao Ying and Huang Shen. What do you have for us today? My motivational Monday quote is from a song on my playlist,、uh, which is "Antihero" by Taylor Swift.、Uh, Yeah, and this song walks us through Taytay's. Oh, if you know, that's a nickname for Taylor Swift and her mental issues like self-loathing, depression, and anxiety. The song features multiple Taylors. If you have watched the video already, the music video, one is the protagonist Taylor. The second one is the anti-hero Taylor, who sings the chorus, "It's me, I'm the problem. It's me." At tea time, everybody agrees. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting rooting for the antihero.、Mm. The second Taylor is dressed in a tour dance outfit that she wore during her very poppy phase, I would say, which represented her in her twenties when she was really 
she can pop pretty for sure. Where she was breaking out of her country face and was marketing her music to the largest possible audience in a scene. In a sense, she was trying to be perfect at that time. A、uh, one scene in the music video makes absolutely clear how the antihero Taylor conveys self hatred. It's about the first Taylor, who represents her 33 year old self, stands on a scale, and the scale says too fat. With the anti-hero Taylor,、uh-huh. represent her younger self, shaking her head in disapproval. This scene illustrated Taylor's own insecurities with her weight. Ironically, if you have read the news, you may know that Taylor later scrubbed the scene with a scale that said "too fat" because critics called it fat shaming.、Mm-hmm. And conversely, others argued that Taylor should not have to sanitize her own music video to make her art digestible to a nitpicky audiences, because the scene represented her insecurities and not society as a whole.、Um, yeah, there's a third Taylor in this music video, which is represented as a giant being huge and too big to fit inside a room.、Mm. This represents how self-conscious she is because you know she's super tall, and whenever she's around other people, she may feel like she's too big for them. And how others perceive her. The song ends with the anti-hero Taylor and the first Taylor welcoming the giant Taylor to share a drink. For me, I understand this to mean that the first Taylor is coming to grips with her anti-hero. And her self-conscious, she's sharing a drink with her alter ego that once demanded perfection and hated any flaws. But the fact that she's sharing a drink with her means that she's just going to acknowledge her self-criticisms, but not let them dictate her. This is what we can learn from this story. On the other hand, sharing a drink with the giant version of herself—it's <laughs> just accepting her flaws and imperfections and just be true to herself. Indeed, Taylor's more recent work is less about feeling 22 or not getting back with exes, but more about embracing the anti-hero. I admit that with her latest album, I miss the beats that I could dance to from her earlier pop music hits like Blank Space or Love Story, whatever. But once I heard this song, it touched me in a way that her feel-good music could not. I'm Also rooting for the anti-hero. Oh, that is beautiful, and I am sorry we don't have that song <laughs> ready for you, because、uh, you know, unfortunately, our music library is a centuries old. So that's one song that you、mm. can check out. And、uh, thank you for walking us through that mental journey.、Mm. Um, Yeah, sometimes exposing your insecurities can actually be very empowering for yourself and other people too. And I just like to remind you today marks one of the twenty-four solar terms called Jingzhu, or the awakening of insects. In traditional Chinese folklore, the spring thunder、uh, thunderstorms. Will startle the hibernating bugs, and it ushers in the time for spring plowing and fishing. And I doubt many of you are going to be plowing, maybe fishing. Who knows?、Um, but it's the time to enjoy the beautiful weather. And spring is nature's way of saying let's party. So we're ready to party on Roundtable. The first blossoms of spring always make my heart sing, and I like to sing with you as we send you off with this kind of old school song by Zhen Xianqi, "Chun Tian Hua Hui Kai." So, 
just feel the flowers blooming uh, from us in your heart or whatnot and have that beautiful day. Thank you, Zhao Ying and Huang Shen for joining the discussion. I'm He Yang. We'll see you next time.